0: Church. If you're worshiping with us online, we're so glad that you've joined us uh, for this time of worship. If you're watching during the week, uh, praise God that you set aside a little time uh, for worship during your week. If you're here with us in person, so good to be together Um, like a tree planted by the waters. What are we rooted in? So I want to talk to us about today. We're in a teaching series called A Sight for Sore Eyes. Now, what that's all about is Pastor Terry kicked it off on September 11th, where she talked about very, very unique healing service in in, uh, in the scripture. Jesus healed a man that was blind. Now, there's nothing unique about that. Jesus opened the eyes of many blind. But this one was unique. It's the only one like it, where they brought a man to Jesus. Jesus laid his hands on him and said, now, do you see anything? And the guy said, well, I think." I think I see people, but it looks like trees walking, and, and it kind of looks like, like Jesus screwed up, like he was in a full count, and he swung, and he missed. He muffed the punt. I'm sorry. I don't have anything but sports analogies up here, but we know that God doesn't make mistakes, right? We know that Jesus is perfect. He's Alpha and Omega. He's the Rose of Sharon. He's, he raises the dead. He walks on water. He feeds us when we're hungry. He raises us when we die. But Jesus touches the man again. So why do we have this story? We have this story because I don't know about you, sometimes we need a second touch. Now, I'm going to use that second touch as a metaphor because for me, it might be my hundredth touch. (laughs) The choir this morning at our nine o'clock, I loved it. It was so perfect for the message in the series we're in right now. They sang that wonderful old song, If we never needed the Lord before, we sure do need him now. After the past two and a half years and the disruption and the unrest and what we're living through and the pandemic and and political turmoil and racial anxiety and injustice and all these things that have unnerved us and unearthed us individually, collectively, as a church, as a world, God, we sure need a second touch. We need you to come to our lives. And so I've been saying for the church in this church year, particularly for Garfield, working with our vision team, what is God saying to us now? I felt three things for this church year, as we, September on in to next summer as we're living out together. These three things, you heard Kurt call attention to the first one, gather in community. We have at our connect table, please go. We had about 70 of you sign up last week. God bless you. But oh, before you cheer that, we've got 1,200 folks so we're just scratching the surface okay find ways to connect in community if you're online with us today we got a wonderful ambassador in the service that's making my whole millennium that's reminding us that even if we're online and thank God for the technology still find ways to connect we need each other trees need each other and God made us a little less than the angels we need each other so find ways to gather in community today I'm going to talk about growing spiritually we need a second touch by God, we are another touch for us to continue to grow spiritually. And folks being baptized today are leading us, entering us, reminding us that we need to die with Christ so we can be raised with him. And then the last one next week I'm going to talk about is garden unity. Praise God for a diverse place that represents Revelation 7:9. It's not always easy, but, but Jesus carrying the cross wasn't easy. When he said, deny yourself... He said, get over your personal preference and your personality, take up your cross, be willing to be uncomfortable for my sake, and follow me. Quit looking at past experiences. Come on, let's go on to new things and guard it together, guard it together. That's where we're going, friends. That's where we're going. But today I want to talk about growing spiritually. And these words from Jeremiah are personal to me because I remember a time I needed a second touch. Jesus had touched my life. He had touched my marriage. He had called Terry and I into ministry. It was very clear I was to leave the corporate arena, leave behind all the frills and the salaries and stuff like that, and go like Abraham and Sarah to a land we know not. And so uh, we put the business up for sale. The buyer gave me an employment contract at the 11th hour, made me run it for him for a year. That time was over. They they wanted me to stay, made me a generous offer. It was wonderful. But no, we were going, right? and We were committed. I had been touched, and we were going on to seminary, and we were we're leaving the September 1990, and in February 1990, I got cold feet. Jack <laughs> looked at my seven-year-old daughter and thinking I'm uprooting my family and taking her away from her grandma, and, and I'm not sure I can do poor. <laughs> I just want being honest. And I was scared. And and, and it was at that time I had to go to a ministry meeting in our particular tribe in the Methodist Church. You you have to be certified. And I know some of you out there are going, look, Chip, I've been with you a couple years. You are certifiable. Like, why did you have to go to be certified? But it's just, just a little hoop we had to jump through. And once you're certified, man, you're in. You're on your way to ordination. There's no turning back. You're walking the plank. You're jumping out of the airplane without a parachute. This is it. And I thought, oh my gosh, I gotta go down and do this. And I had to go down to Canton, and I didn't even tell Terry how unraveled I was, and I, I decided something. Do you, you ever hear somebody say, if you want to make God laugh, tell him your plans? I decided something as though God wasn't listening. You know, I, I could keep it from him. And uh, I decided I'm going to go down there and be my unfiltered self. And some of you know when I'm unfiltered, I can just be flat out obnoxious, man. I I can be irritating, I'm controversial, I can be edgy, and I said, I'm just going to do that. And then they won't be able to certify me. And then I can go home to my wife and say, baby, I tried. (laughs) I could go back to my pastor and say, I gave it my best shot but they found me unworthy. I had, I had planned this, I kid you not, but God is my witness. I w- went down there with that intention. And that's when I met her. She, was one of, she became a dear friend of mine, a colleague in ministry, significantly older than me, one of the greatest Methodist preachers I've ever heard preach. Her name was Dr. Reverend Dr. Valerie Stoltz. And she was the chair of that committee that was to certify me, but f- before she, she did, she got up and she read these words from Jeremiah about a tree plant by the water, about a bush in the desert. And and she said, you know what? She said, I think some of you today, you're probably a little afraid. And you're, you're having some doubts. And you're a little unsettled. And you're, you're, you're getting a little unraveled. Don't you hate that when you walk in someplace, and maybe I've done it to you or God's done it to you through me or through one of our preachers. Don't you hate when you go in and somebody starts preaching and you go, are my phones tapped? Like, are they wiretapped? Is there a private investigator following me? And all of a sudden, the crowd disappears, and you think it's, a, you know, God is speaking just to you. She ruined me. She said, uh, you know, what are you going to do if you're not planted in God? Are you going to wither up? Are you going to go someplace to a dry place? But if you're planted, if you're rooted, then come and follow me. And I said, okay. And at that moment, Jesus touched me a second time. We need these second touches, friends. And and so this is why I want to ask you today, are you planted in your faith? Or is your faith kinda on again, off again, kinda like the weather in Cleveland? Do you allow God into parts of your life and call on him when you really need him? Or are you rooted? Are you deeply rooted in spite of the circumstances? That's what Jeremiah is asking us today. If you heard Pastor Kurt read those scriptures, he's saying to us, and we got an image you, I just want to put these in front of you. Are you a shrub in the desert, or are you a tree planted by the waters? See, if you're if you're a shrub in the desert, Paul warns us if you read Ephesians 4 that when we're shrubbed and we're not deep down rooted in God, he said, you will be blown to and fro by every wind, by people's trickery, by their scheming, by every new conspiracy theory that comes down the pike. But but if you're rooted in God, if you're rooted in him, you have a chance to hold up even when the heat comes. And friends, it will come. And so He's saying to us, he uses the image of the heart, right? In verse 9, the heart, he said, the heart's a weird thing, man. It's it's messed up, it's screwed up, but thank God, God searches and tests the heart. Now, when he was talking about the heart, he wasn't talking about the the organ that pushes blood through our bodies, right? He wasn't talking about Valentine's Day and touchy-feely, hallmark romance and all that. That's not what heart meant in Hebrew, and the heart in Hebrew is who you are how you live and think and walk and breathe. It's your operating system. It's how you do life. And he says our hearts, there, there's three things with our hearts. He said there's a, there's a radical trust of the heart. There's a radical flaw in every heart. And thank God there's a radical cure for every heart. And that's what I want to talk about today. First, I want to talk about that every, in each of our hearts there's a radical trust. Right there's there's a radical trust our hearts are looking to trust in something they need to center themselves in something if it's the operating system hang with me I'm no computer expert but if it's like the software if it's windows 10572 right it's your operating system it has to land in hardware somewhere right it needs to be centered I mean the software is working things out but it's but it's grounded it's wired it's it's centered in something and the heart needs to be centered in something now, Pastor Terry's not here today, my running partner, my best friend in ministry. You know her, Pastor Terry McHugh. If you don't know her, she's our resident hippie. She is. She was at Woodstock, the, the real one. Like, and she reminded me words from a prophet. Now, it wasn't Isaiah, Ezekiel, Jeremiah, Amos, Jonah, wasn't that? It was a hippie prophet named Bob Dylan. Now, all you millennials, get on your phones. They're going to have to Google Bob D y l a m. But Bob Dylan, no, he wrote a song. Some of us are my age or older. You'll remember this. He wrote, the, here's his words. He said, you may be an ambassador to England or France. You may like to gamble. You may like to dance. You may be the heavyweight champion of the world. You may be a socialite with a long string of pearls. But you're going to have to serve Somebody. You may be a business person or some high-degree thief. They may call you doctor. They may call you chief. But you're going to have to serve somebody. Oh, yeah. You're going to have to serve somebody. Well, it may be the devil or it may be the Lord. But you're going to have to serve somebody. See, what Bruce was, Bob, Bruce, that's, yeah, obviously I listen to a lot of Bob Dylan. Uh, what Bob was saying, what Jeremiah's saying, what others are saying, is that the first point is everybody puts the roots of their hearts into something. Did you hear that scripture? It said, cursed are those who trust. Blessed are those who trust. The heart needs to Trust. But when we read those words again, we'll put them up on the screen. Cursed are those who trust in mere mortals and make mere flesh, things of their world, their strength. Remember Jesus said, don't store up your treasure on earth. Mere mortals, just earthly things. Their hearts turn away from the Lord. They shall be like a shrub in the desert. They shall not see when relief comes. They shall live in the parched places of the wilderness in an uninhabited salt land. But watch this. Blessed are those who trust in... In the Lord, whose trust is the Lord. They shall be like a tree planted by water, sending out its roots by the strain. It shall not fear when heat comes. Its leaves shall stay green. In the year of drought, it is not anxious, and it has not ceased to bear fruit. And this is where Jeremiah is pointing to point two. All of our hearts have to trust in something, but there's not just a radical trust in the heart, there's a radical flaw in every heart, and watch this point too, that too often we put our roots into things that cannot ultimately sustain us. See, we need to be rooted in something. And if we're not rooted in God, we're going to be rooted in something. And see, the the, 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 the issue was... Um, if we put our roots in the wrong things, and they could be good things, career and looks and health and family and all these things. But if the roots don't go down deep enough, it won't sustain us when the heats come. Now, I'm going to confess how old I am. I, actually, I was very young, but there was a time when straws were not made out of plastic. Anybody at least my age remember that? We had these really flimsy straws, and when you would drink like a Coke out of them or something, when you sucked at the bottom, it would go, and it would collapse. And that's what Jeremiah is saying. If you don't put your roots down in God, you're going to try to drink of those things, and it's going to collapse. You're going to look for security and and comfort and ultimate comfort and and purpose and meaning, and they cannot bear their fruit. See, the issue between a shrub and a tree was not that one had roots and one didn't. It was a shrub's roots didn't go down deep enough. See, I've been to Israel five times, and there are these shrubs, and they're out in the desert wilderness area of Israel. You'll see them around in our country and around the world. What happens is every deserted area, every desert has a rainy season, right? And when the rainy season comes, these shrubs and other plants spring up, and they put down their roots in the, in the moisture that's in the, in the, right there in the groundwater, right? And, and, but then when the heat comes, and it always does in the desert, and in life, and all of a sudden, they're like that straw. They're sucking and sucking, and that, that ground is dry, and they shrivel up, and they blow away. That's what a tumbleweed is, right? So it's not they don't have roots. don't—the roots don't go down deep enough. And I know some of you are sitting there saying, Okay, Chip, yeah, I, I shouldn't put my roots in money and, and sex and, and you, know, uh, you know, all the worldly things and things that are tempting. Let me tell you something. Um, I've preached about idolatry before. You know, what are the idols? Um, for most Christians, it, what's, you know, and it, believe me, Christians get it messed up with all kinds of stuff, greed and pornography and everything else. But those aren't the deepest idols. The idols that really can affect us as people of faith is when we take good things and we make them ultimate things. And we put our roots into those, and even those good things, though they nourish our soul, when the ultimate heat comes. I was reminded about this by my wife. She's going to shoot me. She's tired of me talking about her, but I'm sorry. I'm, I can't help it. I really, really tried. I've told this story before, but it's important. I think very appropriate on Baptism Sunday. See, I was baptized. I was raised in a tradition where I was baptized as an infant. My parents presented me and then raised me to know the baptism for myself. So when I went to college, under my chaplain, I accepted Christ to be my Savior. Terry was in a tradition that didn't do that, and they waited till you were a teenager before you could be baptized. And, and, and she, she just she loved God, she loved Jesus, wasn't quite ready, and she was baptized as a young adult. I was privileged to be there. They didn't have an immersion pool, unfortunately, and so the pastor put water on her head, and, and there was water going down, her tears were flowing down, and I couldn't tell what was the water and what was her tears. It was just an amazing moment. And we went to pick up my youngest son from college his sophomore year. He was devastated. He was wrecked. He was out in D.C. He had, he had gone off campus. He had got a house with some guys he thought were his friends, and the house turned into a pothouse and a party house. And he couldn't sleep, and he was having a tough time academically, and he just had a terrible year. And we went to pick him up after his final exams. He looked gaunt. He hadn't slept in like seven days, and he got in a car, and and he was tired, and we packed up his gear going home. And how many of you know when teenagers get really tired, they kind of revert to their childhood? How many of you know when 40-year-olds get really tired, the 60-year-olds? And he just needed his mama, you know. And he leaned up and he hugged Terry and he said, Mom, when you had me, was that your best day? <laughs> I love it. And she said, Matthew, man, Matthew, I love you. It was, when I had you, it was an amazing day. It wasn't my best day. He goes, Perry? <laughs> when you had Perry, was that your best day? Oh, Matthew, when I had Perry, that was such an amazing, wonderful day. It wasn't my best day. How about Tiana, the oldest, the only girl? Was that your best day? Honey, when I had Tiana, that was an amazing day. It wasn't my best day. So when you married Dad... My chest went out a little bit. I prepared myself for the throne. And she said, honey, Matthew, when I met your dad and married your dad, that was a wonderful, wonderful day. That wasn't my best day. He said, um, mom, what was your best day? She said, that was my baptism. See, you reminded me of something. Remind me of something. Terry and I have the greatest marriage in the world, it's, you know, and you may have the greatest marriage in the world, and she loves me to death, and, and she loves her kids, but she was reminding me of something, that even if you have the greatest marriage in the world, at some point, one of you is going to die. And if you put your ultimate roots, your roots can go down. If it only goes down as deep as your spouse, if it only goes down as deep as your children, and in my case, if it only goes down as deep as your grandchildren, if it only goes down as deep as your career, if it only goes down as deep as my ministry, if it only goes down in the things that I could do, I never know what they are. At some point, all those things that are of earth are going to leave. And so that you can dig in those things and they can bring you water, but your roots bear go down deeper to the ultimate cosmic water table that can only be found in God. Because if they don't, when grief comes, it'll twist you. And it, it will come. And if suffering comes, and it will, and if it hasn't yet, just live a little longer it'll twist you you can get cynical you can get bitter if your roots aren't down deep and you know it's different he said uh blessed are those who trust in the lord watch this whose trust is the lord see he's telling us the difference between religion being religious and being rooted in god see you can be rooted in the bible and that, and that's and you can be mean Because we're not ever called to worship the Bible. The Bible is a vehicle to get us to worship God. It is God's words. And that's why Christians can be some of the meanest people in the world. Because I'm rooted in Scripture. And I'm rooted in religion. And I'm rooted in doctrine. And I'm rooted in polity. And their roots don't go down deep enough. And get into the ultimate water the living water that can cleanse us and change us. And I can't tell you how many people I've met in ministry that said, well, I trusted God and he let me down. So I abandoned him. You know what that means? I trusted in God to get me my real trust. See, that's religion. But there's a difference to say I trusted in God and to say that God is my trust. He is my unshakable center. And see, there's something in here. It doesn't say, you know, you're a shrub in the desert or you're a tree by the water. It doesn't say that. The Holy Spirit nailed me this week as I was praying about it. It says you can be a shrub in the desert or you can be a tree planted by the water. If you don't remember anything else I said today, remember this, because the Holy Spirit knocked me down with just one sentence this week when I read that, and it was this, trees don't plant themselves. <laughs> Trees don't plant themselves. And that's the, the, that's the radical cure for the sickness of our hearts. We need something from the outside to come in. To dig up our roots when we're rooted in the wrong places. And replant us into a sure foundation. We can't do this ourselves. If you try to, oh, God, Chip said I need to be planted. I'll read my Bible more. I'll go to worship more. I'll, I'll pray more. I'll serve more. Those are wonderful things and you ought to do them. And they will help you grow spiritually. But if it's not rooted... It's just religion. You can't save yourself, so quit trying. And the natural inclination of our heart is to root ourselves in ourselves. That's what an ego is called, and I've got one. Ask my wife. But ultimately somebody said ego is a wonderful thing. It's helping you live, but in the end you're going to die. And it Left Unchecked, ego stands for edging God out. Trying to be our own Savior and Lord. That's our natural inclination of our heart. I learned this from a guy named St. Augustine. He was an African bishop in the 4th century. Amazing, amazing theologian. And he used to be a very fleshy guy. He talks all about it. You know, after wealth and women in his case and things like this. But he, he, he got transplanted. God came in and ruined his old roots. And put him and planted him in new soil. And he wrote his confessions. And he was looking back at his life. All the things he did before he knew Christ. And he remembered being a teenager, and he climbed over a wall back then and went into a neighbor's orchard and stole some pears, you know, pears. And uh, he asked himself, why did I do that? He said, was I hungry? He said, actually, I wasn't hungry at all. He said, was I poor? Did I have enough, not have enough food to eat? He said, my parents were very wealthy. I had more than enough food to eat. And then he wrote in his confessions, I love this. He said, and I didn't even like pears. He said, so why did I do that? He said, because somebody told me I couldn't. See, that's the natural inclination of the heart. I read about a, a hotel in Texas. It was on the Gulf of Mexico. And uh, they, they had this idea to build it out over the Gulf. And for the first three stories, it was this wonderful glass enclosure. It was a seaside restaurant when you, you were like sitting out by the water, but then the water's even on the sides. But then somebody realizes after the third floor, all of those You know they built it. All of those hotel windows are looking right down the water. They said, "What if people start fishing from their rooms?" So somebody had the great idea that for like the fourth, fifth, and sixth floor, they put signs on the windows that said, "Please, no fishing." Guess what happened? You'd be having a nice dinner, and somebody has a red snapper flopping up the. And then it was a young person on their staff said, "You know how to fix this? Take down the signs." So he took all the signs out of the rooms that said no fishing. Guess what? Nobody fished anymore. See, our inclination of our heart is nobody tells me how to live my life. I decide what is right for my life. I am the master of my faith, the master of my soul. Sounds good until the heat comes. Okay? So so we we need this radical cure. We need something from the outside. And Augustine said, I need to be dug up. I need to be planted. And watch this. I need to be born again. And so... What's the radical cure of the heart? We hear it at the end. Jeremiah. I love Jeremiah because he's called the weeping prophet. If you read him, he weeps a lot. He, he interjects himself. He, he's speaking God's words. And he was speaking tough words. He was speaking words to Israel where they went through their pandemic. And they went through their political polarization. And they went through competing ethnically and other things. And, and human trafficking. And they who were slaves began to take slaves. And God allowed Babylon to come in and destroy Jerusalem. Rip down the temple. Set it on fire. Put people in exile. And Jeremiah was having to share people th- these terrible words, but he wasn't like me up on a stage going, Oh, you no good sinners, if you don't do this and repent, you're gonna be. No, you know what Jeremiah said? I'm part of the problem, I'm sick too. And then he cried out those words, Heal me, O Lord, and I will be healed. Save me, O Lord, and I will be saved. So you don't ask to be healed or be saved from something you can do yourself. I love what George Carlin, the comedian, once said. He said he loved all the self-help books, but they're stupid. He said, if I could do it myself, I wouldn't need the help. (laughs) And so when you cry, heal me, save me, you're saying, I need help from the outside. I did something stupid last winter. I was coming home, and Terry and I had been somewhere, and I, I shut my truck door, and my winter coat got stuck in the latch, and it pulled in and slammed my thumb in the door. Yeah, I opened it up. It looked like a Halloween movie. My wife almost fainted. But, you know, I went and got some stitches. I didn't break anything, but it, it tore off the nail. Is that making you sick? I made nine o'clock. I was telling them, they were doing like, oh, TMI, TMI. But the only thing was, it was kind of cool because for the next, like, two months, it was like a biology experiment. I was watching my nail grow back, you know, little by little. But I wasn't sitting there going, heal me, heal me. I know my body was going to take care of that. But when you say, heal me, save me, you know you have a condition that you can't save yourself. And the interesting thing is Jeremiah says, he has the audacity to say, heal me and I will be healed. Save me and I will be saved. Where does he get that confidence? See, the truth is, friends, Jesus Christ centuries later came into the parched land. He went into the salted wasteland and he said, I thirst. He got what we deserve. Don't believe me? Listen to the beginning of Jeremiah. Jeremiah says this at the very beginning. What wrong did your ancestors find in me? That they went far from me and went after worthless things, rooted themselves in worthless things, and became themselves worthless? Has a nation changed its gods, even though they are no gods? But my people have changed their glory for something that does not profit. Be appalled, O heavens, at this. Be shocked. Be utterly desolate, says the Lord, for my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living water, and dug out cisterns for themselves, cracked cisterns that could hold no water. That's what we deserve when we get rooted in anything other than God. When the heat comes, we get thirsty. But Jesus Christ took the thirst for us, the heat for us, and said, I thirst. I thirst. He came into our condition. He took what we deserve. He went into our place. And Jesus lived his life totally rooted in God. Never had a spouse. Never, his friends rejected him, his people rejected him He lived homeless, but it didn't shake him Because his circumstances were not going to overcome him He did not wilt because he was rooted in God And even though he went through the fires of hell And experienced a forsakenness that we deserve The cosmic thirst, still he did not wilt But said into your hands, oh God, I commit my spirit And he, he took for us He was uprooted, so we would never be he died of thirst so we could have a river of life, waters of life. And when you know that, that's the radical cure for our hearts. And it digs up our old foundations. And, and as Ezekiel says, it gives us a new heart. When David the king screwed up, he said, uh, you know, God created me a new heart. Help me to be rooted in you. I want to close with this. I um, we have a wonderful family here from Elyria where I had my first church that I was called to serve. It was the first time somebody called me Reverend Freed and I went in the men's room and threw up. Um, it just scared me to death because I knew I was part of the problem too. And um, I met a man named Art. Art was in that church and Art didn't talk a lot. He was a quiet man, but boy, his, his roots ran deep with God. And we would have wonderful Bible studies together Nat, that. And Art was elderly. I think he was about 82. And um, he said that they had found a tumor in somewhere that if it was malignant, he was not going to live. And so I prayed with him. And he went to his ultimate um, biopsy. And they got the results. And his wife called me on the phone. And she said, uh, Pastor, Art just got word that it's malignant. He's got weeks, not months. And I said, I, I said I'm coming right over. And I got to their house and uh, rang the doorbell. And she she was at the door. And I said, Where's Art? She said, He's in the backyard. And I went to the backyard. And you know what he was doing? He had dug a big hole. And on his way home from getting his death sentence, he stopped by a nursery to buy a tree. And he's in the backyard planting a tree. And I said, Art, what are you doing? He said, I like to invest myself in things that will outlive me. And I thought, here's a man, you know, planting a tree under which the leaves of which he will never sit. Now, how do you do that? When your roots are like a tree planted by water and they go down deep to the cosmic level. And even when the heat comes, you still find nourishment from the water of life. Friends, I meet so many people that are different than art. I'm okay. I can, I can do life without God. I don't need God. What are you going to do when the heat comes? What are you going to do? Jesus said these words. I have water to give that whoever drinks of it will never grow thirsty again. Indeed, the water I give will become in you a spring of water gushing out to eternal life. We're going to go to baptisms now, the most important part of our service. And let me, they'll introduce themselves on video But I wanna do something to you. First, we have the Adams family. That doesn't sound funny until you say it out loud. (laughs) I had to do that. Rob's a Chicago Bears fan, so I gotta get my digs in. But Rob and uh, Emily are are dedicating their daughter, not baptizing her, but they're dedicating her to God like what Hannah did with uh, Samuel. And why are they doing that? Because they're saying our family needs to be rooted need to be rooted in God to raise this child. We want this child to take up roots for themselves. Then Sabrina's going to come, my buddy Sabrina, and she knows what the heat is. She's told me stories. But she has not wilted and she has not died. And she has become what God calls more than a conqueror. And she's not being baptized just, you know, for herself, but for all of us and for the mission of this church. And then finally, uh, my good friend, Jackie is here. She's good friends with Terry and I. She was a member and friend of my very first church. Then when the pandemic hit, uh, Jackie opened her home to her daughters. They were teenagers when I was in youth group. They're all grown up now. Make me feel real old. Um, but she opened her home, and her daughters and grandchildren, some of them, they, would, they would come to home on Sundays March, in March back in 2020, and they worship with us online. And they've been doing that for two years. And uh, Alana's daughter, uh, Dakota, is 12 years old. And they asked her, she's going to turn 13. That's a big deal, becoming a teenager. Hold on, Mom. Um, But, you know, she's turned 13 on uh, Tuesday. And they asked her, Jackie called me a month ago and said, what do you want for your birthday? And she said, I want Pastor Chip to baptize me. First time I meet Dakota in person is going to be in that water. So if you're online today, Dakota's an emissary, and all these families are emissaries. Get rooted. Get rooted. And maybe if you're feeling today the tug on your heart, I want to be baptized. Um, the good news is we have change of clothes. <laughs> we didn't have them. We left them on our South Euclid campus because we've had like 10 teenagers baptized over there on Wednesdays. And Flora goes, no, I'm going to go get the clothes. Our outreach coordinator. If anybody's feeling that tug on your heart today to be baptized, would you come down and talk to Pastor Lori? Pastor Lori, stand up so he can see you. Flora over here, our outreach coordinator. And my wife, Terry. Just come and tell them, you know, I I, I need to be rooted. I want to accept Jesus. I want to be baptized. If it's not today, if you want to be sprinkled by the water or just say, you know, I want, I want, to, I want to reaffirm my baptism. Would you let Pastor Lori know or Terry know or Floor know? And, and we'll make room for you. What are you going to do when the heat comes? Because it's coming. It's coming for you and it's coming for me. We can build our little sand castles, right? But the tide's going to come in root ourselves to grow spiritually I pray you'll meet us at our connect table you'll get into some groups together where we can do community together and where we can grow, amen Amen. let's pray together, Lord God thank you for living water thank you for the waters of baptism let us renew our commitment God to push our roots down deeper and that the only thing that will never leave and the only thing that will never fail and when we fail you'll forgive us And you receive us and you love us unto eternity and give us back. All the sad things will become untrue. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hey, uh, the Guardians are in first place. Cool deal. Yeah. Uh, The Browns beat the Steelers. The Cavs signed Spider Donovan Mitchell. That's pretty cool, right? One of those teams wins the championship. And if you don't shout ten times for what's going to happen right now, that you would if the Browns won the Super Bowl. Shame on you and shame on me. Because the Bible says if we don't celebrate, the angels in heaven are going to stand up and have a party. Can you imagine? You wonder what that choir sounds like? Whitney and Michael and Elvis and Tom Petty and the John Lennon. Men. I can't wait to hear that choir. And that choir is going to start singing as soon as these waters are touched. Would you celebrate with them in Jesus' name?